episode of Ho in the Know, a podcast about sex work by sex workers or sex workers. Well, there's so wax workers. <laughs> I'm so fresh and so clean, Selena. Um, Clover's off being bi-coastal, so bi. And uh, so my co-host today is Sleepless Summer Night Summer. <gasps> oh my God, I love it. That's so good. I was trying to come up with something and I was like, I'm hoping you have something. Oh, I'm totally happy oh to come God. up with them. They just Hello. keep coming. <laughs> Um, so you may remember Summer from a few episodes ago. We talked all about camming, a million and one things to talk about with camming. And she's back to bring her special fresh input to another topic that cannot be more excited about. And it's pro-doming. And our guest this episode is professional dominatrix, Natalie West. Hello, hello. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Super excited. Yeah, this has been like a long time coming. We met at like a Lambda Lit Fest panel and we were both reading. And you recorded some of that, right? Um, Actually, I don't think I did, unfortunately. I really wish I had because I, I was like, oh man, there's like a lot of great writing here. Yeah, we should have put that all on the podcast. I know, right? <laughs> it could have been its own like podcast, just like stories and writings by sex workers um, in our own words. So... It was really inspiring and the, the crowd was really nice and it was just a great a great feature of that like literary festival. So um, we exchanged numbers and it's been so many months, but here we are. Here we are, finally <laughs> telling stories together again. Hell yeah. So every episode we begin with a segment we call Historical Hose. This week's historical ho is Josie Arlington. So I got my info from Wiki, um, also from a site called Storyville District NOLA. Um, so they have like archives and Storyville, if you guys remember from a previous episode, is the uh, historical red light district in New Orleans. Um, and then there's another website that I got info from, and it's called NOLA.VeryLocal. And um, this one is kind of all about all of the haunted um, places in New Orleans because everybody conflates New Orleans with hauntings. And, um, you know, I don't know how I feel about hauntings, but I, it's haunted. <laughs> anyway, so Josie Arlington was born Mary Dubler to German parents in New Orleans in 1864. It's like pretty big name change. Uh, she got to work at 16 as a means to help support her family and eventually... She used the money to like open up her own brothel and it was known as like a pretty rough brothel. She's uh, known as like a hot tempered strumpet. Oh, <laughs> me too. Strumpet? <laughs> like same. <laughs> Let's bring that one back. Yeah, I think so. Um, and that might be my next like opening hot tempered strumpet, <laughs> Selena. <laughs> so good. Um, so she opened up her first brothel and I, her family also like lived in that brothel with her. Um, Anyway, so she took on the name Josie as a sex worker and the surname of her boyfriend, uh, Philip Lobrando. And um, so for professional purposes, and he provided some security services for her. But unfortunately, all that ended whenever one night Philip and Mary's brother got into a drunken brawl and Lobrando murdered her brother. Oh. Yep. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she he murdered her brother. Too. Yeah, it's. That's a rough ending, I mean, to a relationship. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> as rough as it gets, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Josie was very resilient, and she'd put a bunch of money aside, so she 
moved on with her life still like in the sex industry and handling her brothel and all of that and um she decided to go on a date with a clerk at the city treasurer's office um and he took her on vacation to a very fancy place in arkansas with hot springs and it inspired her to also make her brothel like bougier she's like i could be fancy too um, so she started scouting uh, foreign women to like make the brothel feel like more international and exotic and appeal to like higher end clientele. She hired educated women and stuff and she changed the name of her brothel um, from, I think it was just like the Arlington or something to Chateau Le Brando d'Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> make it French and it's, it's exactly immediately bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Add a chateau to it. I mean, and that's like the most Louisiana thing too. Like yeah. you're going to throw French anywhere and call it fancy. So, um, so this was like back before Storyville was like sectioned off as Storyville. And so like right before that happened, she got a pro tip from her part-time lover, full-time friend, Tom Anderson, um, a guy who owned a, like, a saloon nearby. And uh, so they like scoped out a property in the district that was gonna become Storyville. And they bought the property at like a really decent price um, before everything happened and all the brothels were forced to move there. So uh, she bought a four-story, 16-bedroom mansion at 225 North Basin Street and Josie wanted everyone to use a full like Chateau Labrando de Arlington but most people still just called it the Arlington. Um, it was known for its opulence or gaudiness <laughs> depending <laughs> on who you ask and uh, their extensive selection of sex workers. So like at any given time they had like at least like 10 different like full service sex workers working typically like 20 and then during uh uh, Mardi Gras, they would have like 30 because demand. <laughs> um, so there was like a bunch of rooms and actually you can see the pictures of the rooms online, which is really cool. They're all like full of very like luxurious drapey material, kind of like where we are right now. I was like, just <laughs> I was like this? Yeah, we ha we're like surrounded by velvet curtains right now in the studio. Deep purple. Velvet yeah, curtains. it's like deep purple velvet curtains. <laughs> I feel kind of like, uh, I don't know, like in a Lynchian kind of setup. Yeah, I can see that. For sure. Yeah, a little Twin Peaksy or something. But um, make it purple. Yeah, but make it purple. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like, it's a really interesting house and you should check out the pictures online. I'll like include a link so you can see kind of what the area looked like. Um, so anyway, so the area was like hella debauched and they had like a quote unquote live sex circus, whatever that means. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought of eyes wide shut, but that's not. Oh yeah. I, get, I mean, I see that as like a sex circus. Circus. Some masks and people yeah. in a circle. And it's like kind of dancing, mm -hmm. lots of sex. Yeah. I get, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was available for an extra fee and they also had like fetish specialists and, um, but Josie was like, uh, like whatever, however debauched this is quote unquote, no virgin was ever defiled or exploited. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I like this parameter, mm -hmm. very specific. Um, so anyway, the Arlington was damaged by a fire in 1905 and uh good old tom anderson took in josie 
and her workers and they kind of like started running the brothel out of his saloon so they called that the the arlington annex <laughs> we can't go on a field trip to i know arlington. well i mean so it didn't fully burn down it was just damaged by the fire at that yeah. point but it was later uh demolished so it's not a field trip for us i was hoping it was at least like but okay so she like not long after that fire she kind of like ended up retiring i think they tried to renovate and fix everything up but she was just like i'm kind of done so 1909 she retired um and she like used her fortune to build this mansion on esplanade street so she lived out the rest of her days there and um, i think that that house still exists i could be wrong i could be totally wrong but uh yeah so she died. And I guess like the interesting thing that caused like a lot of, um, it was a, s- a source of ire for the ladies of high society was that she had this very nice tomb at the uh, Meteorie Cemetery. I don't know how to say it. It's <laughs> fine, you did, you did great. Thank you. <laughs> I would have just said Metairie, so. Metairie, yeah. it's sure probably. You're, you're into mispronouncing it. Yeah. It's probably the Metairie Cemetery. I, cemetery. No I mean, this is Louisiana, it's Louisiana, so. <laughs> Um, so like the grave features this, um, bronze female figure at the, so it's like this giant tomb, like taller than a person, huge, like arched door. And then there's like this woman holding like a bouquet of flowers in the crook of her arm, like knocking on the door, trying to get in Hmm. like a full woman statue. And everybody's like, oh, maybe it's her, or maybe it's like her like trying to get into her family home after being rejected for being a sex worker. Maybe it's like some other things. And then like, there's a mysterious, like a rumor of like the whole grave, like catching or like being on fire or something like looking like it was like in flames, but like ghostly flames. (laughs) Pictures of this one. Yeah. And there's like a, there was like a red light that was like placed across the street from it, which like her family was very upset about. (laughs) Wait, purposefully? Yeah, I think so. I think there was like a, wow. yeah, yeah. So I hope be- somebody does that to my grave. Yeah. <laughs> Please bring the red light. Bring the red light. On the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the red light was there to do like, oh yeah, um, for whatever reason. So a bunch of people started like coming out to see it. And like this gravesite used to just be for like fancy fucking people. And she like wanted to join high society, but because she got her money through prostitution and brothel owning the high society ladies were like oh no we're too highfalutin for you so um yeah she's able to settle in death but actually because it became such a pilgrimage for other people to come check out this gravesite, like they moved her body like her family oh. moved her body and they don't know where her body is right now like they just wanted her to have privacy and stuff in death dowdy on the case oh who is she she's like ask mortician on youtube oh like historical um like I don't even know how to describe it like if a body goes missing she'll like tell the story of like I don't know grave excavations and like it centers wow. around like just respect for the body and like you know I don't know anyway it would be a good episode oh yeah that sounds so interesting yeah send her a tip definitely yeah. I mean I'm sure she she's probably like definitely heard of this person because like She's one of the most notorious, like, madams of Storyville, like, top, top. And also, like, this grave is, like, so wildly evident. Like, it's just, like, who has a full human-sized sculpture of a person in front of their tomb? 
And it, it wasn't, so everybody had all the rumors of like where it came from, but it was just a replica of a statue that she liked and she had the money to afford it. So she just balled out. Yeah, I was going to say, so what's the, what's the deal? It's just that she liked the statue. She just liked the statue. She just wanted it. Well, it. It's not a statue of her. It's not a statue of anyone she knows. It's just a statue she liked. And that's the story of Josie Arlington. <laughs> so um, before we kind of dive into questions, everybody rate, subscribe, follow this podcast. And then the other thing is we have a special segment on AB2389, which is a bill that is very concerning right now that you may or may not have heard of. Um, so I'm going to give you a really quick rundown and, um, y'all feel free to pipe up and, you know, object to things. <laughs> I don't think I'll have any object objections. Well, I mean, object to like the whole principle of this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so AB 2389 is this bill that would create like a state mandated program requiring training and licensing for all adult entertainers. So that's porn people that's cameras it's strippers possibly pro doms although i feel like pro doms kind of slip under the radar a lot of times the gray area both you know keeps us out of some of these conversations really yeah totally i mean it's like you guys i mean i don't even know if you even like had to deal with ab5 no no not really because like i mean we're not em employees right and like th there's so many different or there, there's no possibility for that really in most places yeah i mean unless you're like working at a, at a dungeon but those things those are also so gray area like i think that the ways that people find like loopholes to run dungeons um it's always so haphazard that yeah. it's it's not really regulated in the same ways right yeah totally and i mean there's so like few i mean there's I mean, sanctuary and then maybe like a handful of other ones. I mean, you would know better, but it's like there's so few. I think most pro doms that I've talked to work independently and have studios. Yeah. And we'll get into this later, but I've I've always been independent. I always say I never lived at the dorms, mm. which, <laughs> which has a lot of drawbacks. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, not having community, but also yeah. like having relationship to some of these like policies. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so anyway, back to this bill. Um so it's so the the reasoning for this they say is like a lack of regulation in the industry is creating unhealthy and unsafe like conditions for adult entertainers and it enables quote unquote illegal activities and it's very vague about what those health and safety issues and what those illegal activities are um it seems that what they're saying with health and safety is that, well, well, they actually explicitly say that adult entertainers have uh, higher rates of depression and suicide um, because their industry is not regulated enough, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> has nothing to do with stigma. Yeah, it has nothing to do with stigma. It has nothing to do with our resume gaps or not being accepted in like vanilla professions as they try to transition. It has nothing to do with the way that our management isn't properly managed but anyway um they're saying sex trafficking is happening and made only worse because we work by pseudonyms or work under pseudonyms which doesn't really make much sense in any way because we want to work with pseudonyms for the sake of our own safety primarily mm -hmm. like sex trafficking will kind of happen regardless of if you use a fake name but anyway um they're also saying that adult entertainers misreport and underpay taxes which I feel like is the crux of it. Like yeah. mm -hmm. they want to get us in. Oh, so um, 
so yeah they're just trying to get us to like pay our taxes and to like be in the system like more like as many ways as possible so it would make it illegal to work in an adult entertainment without a license and to get a license you have to attend mandatory training and the people doing the training would be two porn actors three strippers one doctor one therapist and one man money me management money Wait, they manager. actually outline that yeah oh my okay wow. yeah it's crazy. It's like, well, we Is need there a team going up. They're going to have right. like a team. It's like a task gonna... force. <laughs> yeah, a task force they're going to organize. And yeah. like, I know. How I know. would you execute that? In and they also too? are like trying to boil it down to be like, oh, well, you know, we'll just make it so that you uh, only, what is it? So we'll make it into like a video or like an online course that you can take or something mm -hmm. like that, which is like, what are you trying to do? Like, at the core of this and like why do we need a money manager like why are you trying to tell us what to do with our money and why do we need a therapist like you don't tell anybody in any other profession this like and there are plenty of other professions that are fucked it'd be great if it like was just about us having health care or yeah. something like that right. like that would or be great it would be, it would be great if it was like anything that we asked for education on or things like that you know yeah <laughs> yeah benefits and resources would be the thing that actually totally. helps protect us. Exactly. Yeah. Benefits, resources, healthcare options, access mm -hmm. to like proper healthcare professionals. And I can go see the therapist I would love to see. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like one therapist, like what does this therapist do exactly? Like, are they assessing us for something or like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, a, what is the purpose? And also if it's like going to be an online training video, like how is this like therapist weighing in going to affect anything? Mm -hmm. It's just so inadequate. So, of course, sex workers have to pay for this training and the cost of the license, and you have to renew it every three years. And in order to get this license, you have to be 21, which fucking blows my mind. Right. Because you can join the military and you can shoot a gun, but you can't have sex with people consensually or whatever <laughs> until you're 21. You can't have sex on a camera until you're 21. It's just like the level of like unsafe that they consider sex to be versus every other thing that's much more unsafe is wild. And also, so the cherry on top is you have to get fingerprinted for this license. Mm. So it's like, you know, already treating us like criminals before even being allowed into the industry in any capacity. It's just like a fucking deeply paternalistic kind of mindset. And they think, and it thinks that it's going to like protect sex workers, but it just like forces us to be more visible and vulnerable to government oversight. So, yep. And yeah. it's not passed right now. So there's hope we can still petition uh, Assemblywoman Christina Garcia, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A Garcia, um, mm -hmm. to say, don't fucking pass this bill because it's bullshit. We really need to just like write in, we need to email in, we need to call in and show up whenever this bill is called. Hopefully it will die. Like we're all kind of like mm -hmm. hoping it will die because we've heard a lot of opposition and people who initially co-authored this um, bill have kind of like backed away from it because of the backlash. So we just need to continue like speaking out against it and just being fucking vocal that this is some bullshit. So I said my piece. <laughs> well said. Thank you. And now that that's out of the way, we can get to the fun part. Petitions uh, are the fun part, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without petitions, there will be no fun part. That's true. That's true. I mean, it's like you got to do your civic duty. I mean, 
you know, this is part of it, making sure that this kind of legislation doesn't just roll through without us noticing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like everybody's like still dealing with AB5 right now and it's like fucked over so many industries. Right. I'm really curious about how this will work out, but that's a whole thing for another episode. So anyway, back to talking to Ms. Natalie West. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Excellent. And these purple <laughs> curtains is great. I hope it's like kind of cozy. It's like a really big room, but no, I love it in here. It's like, cl- it's like closed off. Fancy bedroom or yeah. something. Yeah. It's like a canopy bed situation. <laughs> um, all right. So your actual name is Natalie, right? My performer name, worker name is Natalie. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So how did you choose it? Um, it's a funny story, actually. I was, you know, kind of coming up with my Dom persona, trying to figure out like what that would feel like before I had even ever dommed because you sort of have to choose a name before you do the work. Yeah. Um, and so I, I chose the name Natalie because she was just a really bitchy girl in my high school. And I was kind of thinking <laughs> about like, what, who, who do I need to embody to be very mean? Um, and so Natalie was the name that I took. Um, West at the time was the name of a dungeon that I was sessioning at. Um, I did that myself. It's not like the dungeon named me, but yeah. it was kind of part of a whole branding thing. Um, yeah. And that, and then Natalie West was born. Wow. That's so cool. I, when was this? 2012. Okay. Yeah. Or 11. I don't know. I, I was telling Selena that my Twitter was born in 2012. So I think that's when my sex worker persona <laughs> was born. But it could have been 2011. So how did you end up getting into it? Um, when I moved out to Los Angeles, I was, um, I was in graduate school. I was woefully underpaid. What were you studying? I was studying literature. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And gender studies. And, um, as we do, yeah, as we do, (laughs) I know I I took the practical route of sex work, Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I came out here for graduate school. I was underpaid. I didn't have any employment in the summer. It was really hard to make ends meet. And I um, started, I met somebody on OkCupid who was a professional dominatrix. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was in this, in the BDSM scene sort of, but not in LA. I had never found that community here in LA, Mm -hmm. but um, I had like some knowledge under my belt uh, around BDSM, but I'd never done any kind of like real professional sex work. Um, I dated her for a while. And when I got super broke, she was like, you should just dom, just, Mm -hmm. just like bite the bullet. Um, I hadn't been with a man for so many years that my main concern was like not doing sex work. (laughs) It was not like doing BDSM work. It was really like, I don't understand dicks. How am I possibly going to do this job? (laughs) What is male desire? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I had no clue. And that was like, that was probably the biggest hurdle for me, um, was actually trying to figure out like how to, yeah, understand men in any kind of way. I mean, that is really complicated to like kind of change your lens. So, um, and you kind of, we talked a little bit before, but you had like kind of dabbled in sex work before. I did. It was like, I mean, dabbling is a, is a maybe I, I like fell into a sex work situation. Okay. Um, so my first, my first ever experience of sex work was not pro doming. Um, and it's, it's kind of a a dramatic story. So uh, I'm sorry for the, the picture I'm about to 
portray of myself as a, a jealous girlfriend, but um, oh, I love that's, it. That's, that's fine. Get. That's where we're gonna go. It's human. <laughs> it's human. <laughs> um, no, I was in college, and I was um, I was dating somebody, and we had a shared desktop computer. Um, you know, like those things in a relationship where like weird stuff happens here and there. You get the bad feeling. You're like, oh, you're cheating on me. I'm sure you're cheating on me. Um, and so I had all of those feelings of my girlfriend at the time. And um, I checked her email. Oh, <laughs> I checked her email. I feel email really bad about it. I feel really bad about it. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like 20 years old. I That's feel like bad what about 20 it. 20 year olds do. Yeah, I would never, do, I would email. never do such a thing now. I, my, <laughs> if my girlfriend listens to this podcast, um, she knows I will never check her email. But um, I did this to my 20 year old um, girlfriend, and I found out that she was like sleeping with this guy that she worked with or her boss. And the more I like dug back through this email, I realized that she was getting paid for it. And so I went from yeah. feeling like so betrayed, like just so utterly betrayed that she was sleeping with this guy from work to, oh my God, you're getting money for it. Why am I not getting fucking money for this? <laughs> and so I confronted her about it. And I mean, I, I can't say that my like response wasn't horophobic. Um, I think it absolutely was. Um, and you know, my first kind of grappling with it, but the more I thought about it, I was like, I want to get paid too. Like, let me get paid. And so I, <laughs> I told her like, just email him and tell him that I'm coming next time. <laughs> and so that's so interesting. Yeah. And so, and so, so we did, we did like what I would now think of as like a session. I don't really know how I conceived of it at the time, but, um, you know, we, we saw him a few times I ended up breaking up with the girl like pretty soon thereafter, but uh -huh. I definitely bought a futon with the money that I made. <laughs> and that was like a big deal for me at that, at that oh, moment. Yeah. So that was my first, like my first kind of foray into sex work. Although I wouldn't have called it that at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I, I don't remember feeling ashamed of it in any way. I don't, I don't remember that kind of, and I don't remember any like, thinking about like any stigma that I would, you know, experience because it was just like something that we did and it was something that I did and I didn't feel any type of way about it. And that's what it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, like um, I got a futon. Yeah. And what? I got a, I got a fucking futon. <laughs> yeah. So great. <laughs> that's so interesting. I mean, it's like also that he was down like for either of you. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I think he was just like, I mean, the, literally the first email that I read in this whole exchange, um, he was talking about wanting to fuck her on his Toyota Celica hood. Oh, what? <laughs> no. Like, I think he was probably like really searching for variety at that point. Like it had been going on for a while. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, your erotic world will travel in all different directions, including your Toyota Celica. <laughs> like car fucking porn, you know, to be inspired by or something. Yeah, I guess so. He had a lot of mods. There were lots of mods to this Celica. It was like, I had to ride it. I had to ride in it. That was worse. That was like the, the worst part of the session was riding in this car. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So Amazing. it was, it was like a, it wasn't a negative experience in any way. No, no. I mean, I, I think that like probably my initial reaction to finding out that my girlfriend was doing this was probably negative, but I'm sure yeah. that like, you know, but like actually the actual session with the with the guy, it was like very, I remember it being really boring and it seemed like it was taking a lot longer than I thought it should. <laughs> um, but but other than that, no, no. How long was it? I don't I mean, I don't know. We hung out for like an afternoon. Oh, that's no. a long time. Yeah, it was it was that's like a date. 
Yeah, and then and then we went back a couple more times. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it it always seemed like it went on longer than than it should. Did Did you feel like your rates were like reasonable at that no, point? No, well, I mean, at the time, yes. At the time, I was like, well, this is absolutely reasonable. <laughs> looking back, I'm not going to tell you what the number is, but yeah. like, looking back, looking back, I'm like, hell no, <laughs> that was <laughs> not a reasonable like rate. I <laughs> bought a futon though. You yeah, know? I mean, whatever. It's like fuck it, and it's also like. I don't know why we put this crazy high price on sex in a way. Like I, I do get it in some ways because of like risks and all, but like at its core, like sex is kind of, it can be really mundane and like, I don't know, like a lot, we do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it paid what I thought it was worth at the time. And so, you know, it was great. Did you choose the rate or did your ex choose the rate? It was like the rate that she had been getting doubled. Oh, so, right. Because for two. two people. For two, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So did you like group sex it? Or yeah. What? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, so we were, Yeah, we were both there. That must have like really checked off a box in his erotic life. Like, oh, I don't I'm know. sure. Like, I'm sure. I, it <laughs> must have. That's yeah, what a gift. He just gets like, she just comes in and she's like, hey, by the way, my girlfriend's here. Yeah. Like, she's going to join us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't privy to their conversations, but I bet it was more like my girlfriend found out you have to pay her too, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm fine with. That's yeah. Fine. I mean, that's, that's the gist of it. So, um, you eventually got into doming and this was also another girlfriend. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm easily swayed by the women I love like, clearly, <laughs> clearly. Um, so you got into doming and then how did you kind of develop your clientele and like develop your skills? So I, um, yeah, when I started pro doming, I feel like I had very few, um, very few (laughs) skills. Um, but did you have an outfit? I did. Yeah. I mean, I was like borrowing stuff and like Mm -hmm. putting some stuff together. I also had been going to like, you know, fetish parties and like BDSM parties and stuff like that. So I did have stuff from like my lifestyle that I could bring into the dungeon. Um, but I, I mean, like this is like a, a less, I don't know, like to, in, in the, my memories of starting pro doming, when I look back on it, this is like a, a touchier subject for me, but there was a friend who was also a fetish photographer of my girlfriend and like t- kind of just in the community. And he was like one of these guys who's like, oh, you need to train. You can train with me, mm. you know? And I feel like so many, so many people um, who do all kinds of sex work have experiences with these kinds of people who are like, you know, the photographer who's like, oh, like, let's shoot. Like, I'll shoot with you. But it ends up being free sessions for them. Right. Yeah, totally. And so I did a lot of I did a lot of like free sessions with this guy um, for, you know, skills. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, like looking back, it's like tease and denial skills. It's like skills that like, you know, you don't really have to train for. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't really have to train for that. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't like I was like, you know, going to his rope dojo. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, True. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I did a lot of that. I also I mean, I started going to once I started sessioning and figuring figuring out, oh, like, these are the things I need to know. These are the kinds of tricks of this trade. Um, I started doing things like going to workshops at, like, Stockroom or the Pleasure Chest or, you know, just, like, skill shares with other doms um, and kind of building my repertoire like that. Um, and then, like, I had that great privilege of having a girlfriend at home who was also pro-dom. Uh. So, like, so much of what you have to learn isn't really about anything you're going to do in the dungeon, but it's about, like, how to like set up a Google voice, like mm-hmm. how to take a call, how to like know when a guy's a wanker, how yeah. to like 
get the money, right? Like all of those things, like I had like really great guidance to help me figure out. So your girlfriend kind of became this mentor professionally for you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. So, I mean, did that ever kind of like become a conflict with you two? Like, oh yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's common. If any, anytime there is a homance, um, um, I feel like, you know, like there, there are clients who end up being like, you know, a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, we went through like various like long-term subs or friends who are subs and like, you know, they kind of like get into the relationship in all kinds of ways. I also felt like I was kind of the skipper to her Barbie for a lot of a lot of my early pro doming career. I love this reference too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I loved Skipper too. I had a Skipper doll sidebar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I, I have a younger sister. I always got to be the big sister, so I guess I, I had to be the Skipper in this situation. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like it, it's complicated, right? Like these yeah. relationships are complicated, just like any. Oh, for sure. I mean, I know, like I've definitely like had friendships that suffered because of like client sharing and stuff like that, or just like workplace competition. Like, I mean, you have a good night or your friend has a good night and you're having a bad night. It's like, it creates all of these tensions and yeah. Yeah. I mean, like also I've had like, you know, clients that switch from like my friend to me or vice versa, Mm -hmm. like from me to my friend. And it's like, you don't want to have a personal feeling about something that's professional, but it's like, you can't help it. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, yeah, we, we shared a lot of clients and she brought me into a lot of, a lot of situations. There was never a a kind of situation where she lost a client to me. I think maybe she has since (laughs) (laughs) while we were together, um, while we were together, that never happened. I think that would have caused a ton of conflict. Um, but cause she wanted to be like the one on top. Totally. Totally. And, and at the time, like I, I, like after that relationship was over, I was sort of like resent, resentful for a while where I was like, you, you didn't teach me everything. And like now mm-hmm. looking back, I'm like, well, I really appreciate you as a human being because you like really taught me how to fish and like I needed to know how to fucking fish. Yeah. I think also it's really interesting that you are emphasizing like the, the importance of like the kind of professional, like site building and image building stuff because like that's the core of so much of this work I mean like I mean Summer you can speak to this like that's why I'm so bad that's the part I'm bad at actually I think <laughs> yeah. like you mean like the brand like the self-marketing yeah, like the brand and yeah, like you know the, the Twitter the social media stuff your web page your like mm-hmm. photo that your headshots your like body shots your like you know everything like it's like you really have to be so fucking detailed with all it's of this a huge investment yeah. of time and like Resources. Know, resources and you're not getting paid to do all of that mm-hmm. work yeah and you're even like sometimes paying for subscriptions and stuff right. right yeah um so what was your session like your first session like uh my first well my first solo session I will say because I I definitely did some doubles with her before I jumped in and that was that was pretty um you know useful <laughs> <laughs> the first session that I did. I don't remember what this guy was actually like seeing a dom for, but I remember that he wanted to just be held and like cuddled. Um, yeah. And I think this was before like, you know, like before cuddling. Cuddle, yeah, before like <laughs> cuddling was actually a thing. Um, and he, yeah, I just remember him just kind of like wanting me to embrace him through the uh. whole session. 
How long um, was the session? It was an hour. Oh my gosh. It was an hour. That's a lot of intense, intimate contact. Right. And I was so, I was so like shocked by it because I, I really wish I remember what he actually made the call for because I think it was something, it must've been something like foot fetish or like uh-huh. spanking or something that I was like going into it thinking it was going to, I definitely know that he did not say like, I want you to hold me for an hour. <laughs> yeah, I want um, you to please hold me for like an hour. say no to that kind of. He might have. He might have. And I mean, it's funny. It's it, when you start out. I think. Well, I mean, at the time, I I would be interested to see how it is now in the wake of Fosta Sesta, when like getting an ad is not the same thing. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you just put up an ad as a sex worker, you get all of the guys who want to see the new the yeah. new girl. Works that way in camming as well. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So so maybe he's like maybe this is something that he only does with new doms. I don't know, but it was, it was definitely not what I expected it to be. Yeah. It might be like sort of an intimacy trust thing for him before he moves on to like other types of shows or something. Could have been so interesting. So he just wanted you to hold him. Like it wasn't anything else. Like he didn't, what what kind of hold was it like lying down hold or like standing no hold like like like, <laughs> like like most of it was like like I was like sitting on the edge of a like a bondage table uh-huh. and he was in between my legs and I was just like kind of wrapped around him holding him uh-huh. yeah and, and he was very he was like real he was very furry um mm-hmm. and <laughs> I like hadn't like touched a male body for so long that I just <laughs> yeah. remember like his back being super furry and just like, okay, yeah. that's what we're doing now. Here we it's are. A whole different feeling. <laughs> Did he talk? Was he like a big talker? Not much. No, oh, he just, it was no. just like silent holding. And I, you know, at the time, like I had, I had very little idea about how to navigate these kinds of scenes. And so I don't even think I was inquiring as to like, you know, I feel like now I'd be like, oh, so you didn't tell me you were into cuddling. We can do that. But like, you know, I would have a whole conversation about what yeah. we're actually doing. Yeah. At the time, I was like, I'm just going to I'm just going to stay right here until he tells me I'm doing it wrong. Huh. Yeah. So it's like kind of frontal cuddling. Yeah. Did you get like boners and stuff? I don't think so. This is I so interesting. So. Like, I'm like so curious. <laughs> I, heard, I heard an interview. I don't remember where I was like like a vice thing probably uh-huh. with like a professional cuddler saying that like a lot of clients do get boners. That's a common yeah, yeah, thing. That's, that's totally common. Yeah. Um, I would, I, th- I feel like I would have a boner if I hired a, a professional <laughs> cuddler. I think yeah. I probably would. That's so interesting. Okay. So like you posted an ad, was it on Backpage? It was on Backpage. Yeah. And you, so this was like pre Fosta Sesta. So oh, way, you way, way pre. Yeah. This would have, yeah. 2012. Yeah, you could post an ad on Backpage for like, I think it was like $4 a day or something oh. like that. Or it's like a month was like 28 bucks or something. Ah, yeah. Golden days. It was, it was. So you were posting ads on Backpage and like people are finding you there under like fetish section. Yeah, yeah. Under BDSM fetish. Um, I had a couple of photos from the fetish photographer I was doing free <laughs> sessions with. Um, I didn't have a website yet. Mm-hmm. At the time, a lot of... Prodoms were also advertising on eros.com. Yeah. But, um, Eros is still active. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Eros is still active. Um, but at the time you had to have a website to be on there and I didn't have a website yet. Mm. So I was only on Backpage. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, um, I like Eros a lot personally. Like I like, cause they do like some, they try to have all of the, um, people posting ads have a little video of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, what you're talking or doing a little 180 spin or something you know like 
whatever it is, it's just like, it seems very personal and I'm glad that it has survived, but yeah, I'm glad it survived too. I mean, it did, their offices got raided like a few years ago. And at at that point I'm like, I've been giving you my credit card number for so many years that I'm like, okay, well it's done. It's out there. It's like, (laughs) I might as well keep advertising with you. There's nothing else to see here. Did you worry? Like, did you post pictures of your face or was it like body shots? No, at first it was definitely only body shots or like kind of like, you know, artfully, uh, mysterious <laughs> face shot yeah um when like I said when I started doing uh sex work I was definitely in the closet and I was in graduate school um I didn't start showing my face in advertising until um maybe like around like 2016 2017 after I finished my degree mm-hmm. and it, ha- it felt like I had a, a bit more of like leverage around my my closeting I guess yeah I mean what was the, inv- I mean, I think like something that people kind of say right now about doming is that it's like, oh, it's so liberating and you know, it's like turning, you know, the patriarchy on its head and it's like, you know, the only empowering form of sex work. But I think also like on the other side of that, like a lot of professional doms also face a lot of discrimination and like, uh, I mean, I've heard of people like losing fellowships and stuff for coming out and, and all of that. So what was the environment like in your graduate program around like talking about sex work at all? Was there any conversation? I mean, I didn't talk about it for a long time. When I finally did start coming out here and there, um, the people who I was coming out to were like queer. They were in gender studies. Um, my advisor like was and and, and still is a very supportive person. Mm-hmm. Um I, I mean, at times it definitely felt like um, sort of like, you know, you're like the party trick. Like, oh, oh look at, my friend is like so interesting. She's a dominatrix. Yeah, it's totally. Like, oh, yeah, I know, you know what you mean. Um, and that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't necessarily feel good. Um, but I felt pretty supported. Um, but I never came out fully to people who I didn't think could hear it. Um, and I still really like, I, I have a vanilla job now that I do. I don't, you know, I don't come out like full throated about my, my (laughs) like sex work, you know, past or present. Like it's Mm -hmm. not really something that I'm talking about, even though I'm doing a lot of work around it. Um, I kind of fly under the radar. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's hard to say because I'm in this little bubble, yeah, you I mean, know? but it's also like you're you're studying like literary stuff, but also like gender studies. Right. So it's like it seems I mean, it's one of those portions of gender studies that like either is covered, or, but oftentimes it is not covered. I never did anything related to sex work at any of my classes. Getting really? a PhD. There was there was no <laughs> there was never. no reading about it even. No, absolutely not. Oh my god. No, I never read anything about sex work. I did read one <laughs> this is funny actually. I read one book in graduate school about BDSM and I was so excited when I met the author who's, you know, a, a well-known academic. Mm-hmm. And I tried to talk to her about like professional DS and she mm-hmm. had never had any, she told me she'd never had any experiences doing BDSM whatsoever. No BDSM, what? never, never had How done do anything related to, in- but yet yeah, wrote a whole book about it in terms of like theory and, and writing about like Mar- Marquis de Sade and like, you know, all of these kinds of like theoretical concepts, but she had never engaged in DS play herself. Had she ever been to a dungeon no, or anything? No, never, never. How does one do that? Like, how does one feel bold enough to like go and write a whole academic thesis on something they've never experienced? 
firsthand. And like even in in terms of like investigating. Yeah, like even in, exactly because it's not like it's like a dead society yeah. or anything. Like right. it's not like trying to study ancient Rome. Like clearly, there are dungeons. If you're writing a textbook on exactly. or whatever, a, a lengthy book on it. I mean, how did how did the person did you did you ask them how they decided to get into it if they had no experience? No, I didn't ask them how they decided to get into it, but I definitely like. I mean, it like did something to me in a way. I was like, oh, okay, like this is like something that you will, you know, like prod at from like an ivory tower, but you're oh. not actually going to get down there with the people who are doing it. You know, oh, it God. felt, it felt, re it felt very alienating to me actually at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah but, but I yeah. mean, that, that is definitely like just co-opting. I mean, that's, that's right. crazy. I mean, yeah. Oh God. Anyway, I mean, we can <laughs> we could really do, dive in. Yeah, that, I know that's a whole that's a that's, whole other that's yeah. a whole other episode. <laughs> so you've been doming, and you have kind of you have a specific set of things that you do. Like you're not just doing everything, right? What is your specific subset of? I think I've tried everything. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's really maybe cool. not everything, but I've tried a lot of things. Uh -huh. Um, I, um, I kind of focus my work now on feminization and sissy play. Um, I think that I'm good at it and, <laughs> and like I got a reputation and a lot of my reviews and things were, were from, um, clients who, um, are interested in feminization. And so, you know, that, that kind of determines where, where you land, I think. Uh -huh. Did you always feel like you had a dominant personality? Um, no, I don't know that I do. I don't know that I do have a dominant personality. Um, I think that I can put on a dominant persona for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm very type A. I'm kind of bossy, but I don't know. I don't know if I would consider that dominant. It's more like I like to get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's like, I mean, I think there is like the conception of like a dominant personality making a dom, but like it also could just be like being capable of articulating what you should be doing. Yeah, I think, you know, because in my in my private life, I'm a switch, um, yeah. for sure. Um, I think that like to be to step into the role of dom, you have to understand what that role is, and you have to be able to articulate it, and then articulate how you want someone to meet you there. So you have to be able to like articulate the kind of submission that you want as well. And as long as you can like define those roles, mm -hmm. I think that I think I don't think that everybody enjoys it, but like if you can do that, I think you can do it. Could you kind of give a, an example of that? That's what I was going to ask. Because I, I, in camming, I do occasionally do like sissification, mm -hmm. sort of different types of dom shows, but I really don't enjoy them. Like yeah. I list myself as being submissive, but I still get requests and occasionally do it. And it's because yeah. I can't get in that like that state of mind where like I actually know what I want from that person. Mm -hmm. And they're asking me and I'm like kind of making it up as I go along, hoping mm -hmm. that it's convincing. I think that you really, you do have to tap into your own desire at a, to a certain extent. And I'll tell you how this works for me with feminization and why I think those clients are the, the ones that I attract. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a lesbian, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm a lesbian. I've always advertised myself as, as a lesbian dom against everyone's advice. <laughs> said, like no one's going to see you if you call yourself a lesbian. Uh, wrong. Um, and so like when, when I look at a male submissive, I'm like, these are the ways that we can make you better. Let's improve upon you. And I the like first that. thing that we're improving upon is like 
your gender presentation. So like, I'm going to change the way that you sit, the way that you sit as a man disgusts me. I don't like to look at anybody sitting that way. So let me, let me pose you the way that I want you to pose. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if, if you're submissive again, is meeting you halfway and they want to answer your desires, Mm -hmm. they're going to do whatever they can to, to please you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the first thing that you really have to do is just kind of understand your own desires and articulate them to somebody else. Right. Um, if you're just articulating someone else's desires, I mean, that's part of what you do, right? Yeah. It's work. It's work. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's the service industry. Right? Yeah, totally. yeah. That's the part I can't get. Like, it's like, well, they hired me. They're paying me. Right. Yeah. So I ultimately in the end want them to come back, which means I want them to get what they want. And I'm like, I feel like I'm always trying to figure out what did, what do they want? Instead it's of like, such, it's such a, it's such a fine line. I mean, I think that the number one skill of a, of a dominant is, is empathy really it's like you know being in that moment and trying to like to to have the kind of power to articulate what you want and to have it meet what somebody else wants because at the end of the day you know like so many clients so many especially like professional um dom clients will come to you and they'll say like mistress i just want to do whatever you want to do and the mm-hmm. answer is always like leave the money and go yeah like, yeah. yeah i'm like just, okay then send me 500 dollars right. and like oh my later. gosh i love that right. yeah, yeah it's and a- then how do they respond I mean, nobody really wants that, right? You well, I know, to, but I mean, but do you <laughs> ever do that? To, do you do that to fuck with them? Do you ever be like, yeah, just, oh, well, totally. then exactly leave the money and go. And then they're like, well, actually, mistress, I want. Yeah, because actually it, I need, you know, right. Well, punishment I'm so much or, already. I, I want to submit to you or I want. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, well, that it's a lesson in, in articulating your desires yeah. too, right? Like, because like, it's, it's not really what I'll, everything I want, but I do believe that like people who are truly submissive, they actually do want to please you. They want to understand your desire and they want to try to mold themselves to it as best they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is some element of like, not just, and I think maybe this is like what you're getting at. Um, there is some element of, of not just saying like, well, what do you want me to do? I'll fill that role, mm-hmm. right? Because you do have to come come to it with, with some ideas about what you actually want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you do that, you, you'll find that, that you'll have a happier session in that yeah. regard because you, you will, you know, be getting what you want and be giving what they want to. Yeah. I think I've had moments of success. Like the empathy part is the part that I can, I feel like I can do well. Yeah, It's just stepping back and not worrying so much about like pleasing them or yeah. whatever. Um, and I've, there've been a couple of times where I found a good balance, but it really depends on my mood and then it'll go really well, but it's like really rare to strike that like perfect mix also there's chemistry with different clients some clients make it easier depending on how you're feeling and some clients you just like don't click with totally totally and even for even for a pro dom there are some submissives who top from the bottom right Mm -hmm. like yeah who will show up with like a list of all the things that they want to (laughs) do and sometimes like if you're having like a if you're you know having an off day you're like whatever give me the fucking list like i'll just (laughs) go down the list um but those are never the clients that i ultimately like click with on a long-term basis right like there has to be some kind of like creative um you know synthesis that we're trying to meet Mm -hmm. um and just having a list isn't going to do it no definitely not i mean i think you have to like leave a lot of things open because it's it's very creative i mean all of this is like some degree of improv and yeah you know chemistry with people vibing that's what i don't like about it yeah degree of improv i want the list (laughs) give me the list and i'll like check them off i've got it written down like under my camera 
uh-huh. what words you want me to use right. so I can like reference it. Yeah, and then yeah. I feel like I'm killing it. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's yeah, funny sometimes. I'm a sub, so <laughs> I just had this client. I mean, I've been seeing him for years, but I brought in um, one of my like vanilla girlfriends to a session with him, mm-hmm. and he, um, you know, I I know what words he uses for things, and he like he has to call his cock his penis, like he has to. He like can't. Okay. And so like she was like, oh <laughs> something penis. something your cock, and he was like, I like I like it to be called penis. He said it like right there in the session. I'm uh-huh. like, all right, okay, whatever. It's like, uh. but then like we're just like repeating back to him, like, oh my god, your penis, and he's like, this is the best day of my life. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. But like kudos to him for being able to like say it, right? Yeah. Like this yeah. is what I want. Okay, we'll do that. You I know. Think the biggest struggle with sexuality and is can be like articulating everything like even knowing that you what to articulate like where your starting point is knowing what words you like and everything yeah um how long is a typical session um they start at one hour mm-hmm. um and what's the longest one you've done longest would be like an overnight how, what was that like? Or like, do you often do overnights and, and how do they go for you? From time to time. Um, but I, when I, when I say overnight, it's like kind of, um, it's kind of misleading because I definitely sleep. Um, absolutely <laughs> sleep. I've never stayed up all night doing a session. Um, usually for an overnight, we start playing at like eight o'clock, play until like maybe like midnight. Uh-huh. And then I do some form of like safe bondage maybe like you know it's kind of bondage because you don't want to ever put anyone in bondage and go to sleep but like uh-huh. you know like uh maybe like an arm is is um tied to a foot right and it's uh-huh. like okay well you you're going in the closet like if it's at like a hotel like stuff them in the closet uh-huh. go to sleep wake up the next morning you uh-huh. know brush my teeth <laughs> put on makeup and then wake, <laughs> wake the, the sub up Something like that. How or do they handle stuff like bathroom breaks? Like they, I've never, ha- I've never given one. <laughs> I've never given one. I, Have I, they wanted a bathroom break, or what? How does it go? I, I mean, don't know. I mean, they might just be suffering through the night. I, I don't oh, know. I don't, like I don't concern joyful myself suffering. with it. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what they signed up for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've done, I've done overnight scenes where the next morning, like the punishment is, okay, I know you have to pee. We can continue playing, or you can go pee. Oh. And. You know, like that, like it's brutal. Right? <laughs> like, I want to get breakfast. Uh-huh. Um, would you like to pee? I think you do. So bye. <laughs> See you later. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So how did like, what is the draw of an overnight for them? I mean, I think a lot of submissives have fantasies about being kept in submission for like long periods of time or like mm-hmm. living in my basement. Oh, yeah. You know, like <laughs> I live in your basement. I, I get a lot of like, I want to be caged at the foot of your bed. Right. The like, foot of your bed. Yeah. They want, they want to be like, they, they want to shut the front door or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They want to feel like it's like something that we have outside of that time that you would spend in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's why the overnight. Hmm. And so, like, do you tend to like rent out spaces or hotel rooms or like where do you end up hosting these overnights? Overnights usually, I mean, I've, I've rented sessions overnight or sorry, rented dungeons overnight. Um, but then I've done a lot of them also in hotel rooms. And it's funny because like, I have a few clients who I've done overnights with over the years, but this is, it's not a common session type. And I have to know some, but I have to like have played with somebody multiple times and really kind of gotten a sense of who they are, Mm -hmm. what they do in their like vanilla life before I'll like commit to doing something like an overnight. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big risk and it's like also just the weirdness of how people sleep and stuff is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was really concerned. The first time I did one, 
the client flew me to Vegas and I was just like, oh my God, like, please don't let him snore. Like I can't oh, yeah, deal like yeah. with like a like snoring dude and uh-huh. like trying to sleep and then having to go home at 10 o'clock in the morning and all this stuff. So yeah, no, that's it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. I mean, do you ever like, I mean, you're pro-doming. So I, f- do you worry very much about like aesthetic stuff, like beauty? Like, do you try to always look beautiful for your clients? Um, I mean, I mean, it's not like it's hard. You're a beautiful person, but I'm just like, <laughs> thank you. It depends. I mean, like I, early in, in the early days, yes, I was like really concerned with like not letting like, you know, like not letting my clients see me like out of stilettos. Like I really like part of my, I think it was because like pro doming for me was like the way that I became femme really. Um, so interesting. Yeah. The way I learned makeup, the way I learned how to wear heels, like all of those things. And so like it was really intimately tied. I don't even wear stilettos anymore. I'm like, I'm too fucking old. I will, I'm not wearing stilettos yeah. ever. Like I'm wearing like these like chunky ass boots and like, that's what you get. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, but like for like those sessions, like I definitely bro- like brush my teeth before I woke them up, you know, <laughs> like put a little like concealer on, you know, like mm-hmm. a little bit, but like I wouldn't like throw on fake eyelashes at like 10 a.m. No. to like wake a dude up. No, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, so like do they, do they focus much on your appearance? Is that like a big draw? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm like, I'm pretty muscular. So I get like guys who are like, oh, I love your like muscular calves. I tell them I get them only from walking in heels. <laughs> you never Duh. wear anymore. No. Yeah, I know. I, I never wear stilettos, but that's how I got these muscles. They're going to last me forever. Um, yeah, um, I, I'm tattooed. Um, so I get a lot of clients who are like, oh, I love tattoos, love girls mm-hmm. with tattoos. Um it's really unfortunate that advertising has gone down the drain because I'm like a redhead now and yeah. in the in the heyday of my doming, I was a brunette. I'm like, I could get all new clients. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, they, they your red really hair care. is like so popping. Yeah. And, and I like clients like really, um, they really care about that. They're like, I only see blondes or I only see yeah, redheads. have a type. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um, could you like talk about any of your notable clients? Like, some of your favorites or like longtime regulars or something. Yeah, I mean my my most my most beloved um sub now, I mean he's like I, I go to him for like friend things too. Aww, right. Like I do I feel yeah. you. I feel you. Yeah. I mean he's like he's he's a he's a good person. Um I know things about his family. He knows things about my family. Um, you know, we don't see each other that often, but he's somebody who like his journey in submission is really impressive to me, like his devotion, like all of that. Um, and he's just a lovely person. Um, so he's great. I mean, I have like, even like couples that I've been seeing for like, I have a couple that I've seen like consistently since like 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're since great. Since you started. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're, they're really lovely. We've done like all kinds of wild things together and like their marriage is like still great and strong and like, oh, you know. things do you do with like, like a couple? Yeah. Like, all kinds of things with them. Like I've done like, um, I've like cucked him. Like I brought in oh, yeah. like, okay. you know, like mm-hmm. a, a, a male sex worker and like cucked him. Um, we are just like, kind of like, you know, double, double mean bitches. Like, you know, like you and his partner. Yeah. Me and his, yeah. Me and his partner, like he, he's into like smoking fetish. So like smoking cigarettes and like ashing in his mouth. Yeah. Ashing. That that stuff. So easy to make money. 
yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> it's funny, actually, I got um, hypnotized, like, probably like five years ago at this point to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. And my hypnotist is like also kinky. And I was yeah. like, can you put like a fetish loophole? Because like, I don't want to lose money on this. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you think it worked? I think it worked. I mean, I could, I've still done smoking sessions since then. And I'm not addicted to nicotine. So yeah. I, I think I just, inside my apartment sometimes, and I don't smoke anymore either, but I'm like, I'll smoke one cigarette for whatever amount right. of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Totally worth it. Wow. Um, so with you, like mentioned the first person, how long had you been seeing that person? The first guy? Um, I think I've been seeing him since like, oh, it, it, he would be so sad to know that. I don't know the exact number. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like Maybe like 2015. Okay. 2015. Yeah. That's a fucking long time. So like five years now. Yeah. And he's been in chastity for me for over a year oh my gosh oh. so he's like a, he's a chastity sub yeah yeah i mean he's all different kinds of sub but what, kind, <laughs> what are his things he's um i mean he's definitely like a slut he's definitely like kind of a size queen he's mm-hmm. into pegging um is he straight or is he gay or is he what is he he's queer queer he's cool. queer Love he's it. queer but he, he's um he's married to a woman uh-huh. um but he's definitely queer um yeah he's he's just like into being slutty in all kinds of ways except for the use of his dick right? like yeah. all, all the ways you can be slutty but don't use the dick really interesting yeah, yeah he's he's like 24 7 locked up um aside from his marital relations so like really? that's okay. a lot of chastity so wait how does he uh how does that work out with his marriage like is, is he open she's, yeah she's totally aware that's amazing yeah. and so he's just hanging out in his chastity in cage. His cage yeah and like just she has a key too yeah so you both are key holders right. wow that's yeah. so cool that's yeah. so cool i always like in cam shows because i you know you do it for like five minutes with someone mm-hmm. you tell them lock up or whatever but then they go and do another chastity call with someone else uh-huh. so no one actually like stays in chastity mm-hmm. right right they're like you see them a week later on a different kind of call or something mm-hmm. that kind of thing will happen so yeah i guess you have more of a reassurance especially having someone's wife involved like that and totally like, totally a good boy <laughs> and chastity is like so much of its fantasy for so many people i mean i've had i've had guys before who will come to the dungeon get put in chastity um and then you know call crying eight hours later <laughs> like you have to get back down here you i'll pay you any amount of money you have to get back down here because like the like i i mean i don't know i've never it's been in chastity scary. it seems hard it seems hard yeah <laughs> I know, especially if you have like little like fluctuations and all, like it sounds like it'd be painful. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, like what's an, another situation like that where like people like think that they want something and they don't? Hmm. I think they want something and they don't. I mean, I've had scenes that just like don't go well, right? Yeah. Like that you get there and you're like, um, okay, I thought that I would like this. It's really not what I thought. Like... Thanks, like, nice to meet you. I mean, it hasn't happened that many times, but I've definitely had clients who, like, you know, or even, like, guys who, like, show up and they're so nervous Uh that they can't function. Really? I've had guys show up so nervous and shaking that they, like, are passing out. I mean, I do, I I keep my first aid certification up to date, but, like, you know, just, like, absolutely so caught up in their nerves that they can't go really through with it. And, like, I end up just, like, hanging out with them, drinking water and like patting their head. Wow. I mean, and do you have them pay your rates ahead? Yeah. I okay, still good. take their so, money. So they're still like, okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. No, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, you may not know what you're getting into, but you should definitely be paying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had one client too, one time where he came in and he wanted to do a humiliation scene and you know, you, f- you obviously in negotiation with BDSM, when you sit down, you're talking about everyone's limits, boundaries, but like sometimes you can stumble upon things that people didn't know would be, you know, 
beyond their limits. And so we were doing the scene. It was a lot of verbal humiliation. And I just said something that he like, he couldn't like get back from it. And it was like weight related oh. too, which is like really hard for yeah, people. For sure. It's really hard for people, but he wanted to go there. We tried going there. It didn't work. He called red and I was just like, you know what? Like, let's go eat some like really bad shit. Like, let's go yeah. eat the word. Let's go get macaroni and cheese. Like you're, yeah. f- you're fucking fine. Yeah. Like, you know, you're and, fine. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. a question about that. Like, that's so healing. If you do you ever get to a point where like you, yeah, like, I guess that's the empathy component you're talking about where like you kind of have to switch into like being real with them. Like, even if they're not calling red, you're just like, I mean, you're just going as hard as you can. But at a certain point, like I get concerned that I'm like being too mean sometimes or I'm going to say something that maybe I won't even know but I'm like actually deeply hurting someone and then or like I'll end a call sometimes and be like like you're great by the way like you're a really great guy and like that's not really true and you can totally get dates and whatever and like clear things up because I feel bad yeah that after you like clear something up with someone or like yeah totally and it depends on the player too right like if it's somebody who's really like I sometimes like I'll trust a submissive I'm like you have a safe word um I'm gonna like play with you to kind of like understand like like to see if I can push at your boundaries mm-hmm. and I'm trusting you to use your safe word like that's right. that is like you know a, a kind of agreement that we've we've set out in the beginning um but you know like after every session like no it doesn't matter if it's like something that is gonna like eviscerate someone's ego right. or like really you know like physically harm them in in the ways that we've consensually agreed upon mm-hmm. at the end of every session I'm giving them a hug right I'm like, like oh yeah like you know I have to have a hug after every session um like it's like it's a thing that I need for myself so mm-hmm. you know there's that kind of like moment where you check in you know give food wrecks for like the arts district right <laughs> like you're doing, doing that whole thing um but I, I don't often like follow up um, in an, any kind of way where I'm like, oh, by the way, the things that we talked about were just fantasy, right? right? Um, and that's tricky sometimes. There are definitely people who don't understand that session talk is session talk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what concerns me most when I'm, if, like, I, I don't do them often, but yeah, I'm usually like, oh, I hope this person- You hope that they're not internalizing it. I get a sense, it, yeah. like, that they really do feel that way about themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's hard for me in my calls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that I won't do because of that. Like, um, I mean, I stumbled upon that, that like weight thing. And um, now I would, I probably wouldn't take a session like that. I didn't know at the Mm -hmm. time that it would be hard for me. Um, I won't do race play. Um, Mm -hmm. I won't do, um, I won't do feminization if the sub finds it degrading. Like if, if you oh, find it degrading to, to be a woman, yeah, if you find yeah. it degrading to, to be, be a, a woman, sissy, I won't yeah. play with you. Um, I mean, I, not to yuck anyone's yum, but like, I no, just, I, I mean, that's just there. like rooted in some like concerning be- like beliefs and all. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to reinforce that. Yeah. So yeah, same. A lot of times you'd ne- you don't really know, but yeah, you can learn from it and be like, well, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Are those yeah. the only two like, uh, kinds of fetishes that you refuse? Um, I don't do medical play. I'm just like not equipped for it. It's not, it's never something that I trained in or learned. Um, I don't do some kinds of like messy, like water sports shower scenes. Uh Um, really and and, any, any more, anything that's going to like cause me a mess. I'm just like, no, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I mean, like I'll go lots of places. Um, but, but those are some of my only like hard limits Mm -hmm. what was like so kind of rolling things back like 
you started doming with your partner at the time. Like, what were some like co, like, were you co-topping with people? Mm-hmm. And what was, what were those kinds of scenes like? And like, what kind of role did she expect you to fulfill? And like, what, I don't know, how did you view it at that time? I mean, at the time, I think, you know, I was kind of like her apprentice, uh-huh. right? So, and we did scenes where we would incorporate that, where it wasn't like I had to pretend like I knew everything, mm-hmm. right? It was more like, okay, I'm showing her, so, like, it's going to be more sort of informative. Yeah. So we did some of that. Um, once I kind of got some scenes under my belt, we did a lot of lesbian cuckolding. Okay, cool. Um, so that was great. And like nobody in LA at the time was like really offering it or advertising for it. So uh-huh. it was like kind of like our like golden ticket. Um, and we, yeah. So you were, going, you were providing that to like lesbians? No, no, no. Le- well, okay. Yeah, I guess I should, I should say like what lesbian cuckold. Even yeah, though what I, is it? Tell even me. though I'm like a lesbian dom, I only have seen like a handful of women, probably still more than most doms, I would say, but um, not a ton. Yeah. Um, no, lesbian cuckolding, meaning that like we were cucking a male sub, uh-huh. but it was like, it was like, you know, you're tied up in the corner. You're never going to get to have sex with us and we're going to enjoy each other. Oh, yeah. God, That's that cool. So fun. It was the best thing ever to do with your girlfriend. <laughs> right? like, and like, most, like, you know, we, because it was like, because it was prodoming, there was no aspect of show to it. So like on, like we would just like literally like blindfold them and we would be like sitting there, like holding the Hitachi up in the air, like just mm-hmm. like with the noise of it and like yeah. pretending like we we were fucking but like we were oh you didn't yeah. actually no no I mean we were like make out but we were like no like we'll fuck later when he's gone yeah. like, like, like not for him yeah. <laughs> which was like yeah that was those were those were the the good old days of uh-huh. um of that relationship for sure we took a lot of money that way and mm-hmm. it felt like highway robbery really yeah um so we need to take a little commercial break time is money that's what people always say right it's easy to make money when time is money. After all, all you gotta do is wait for time to just tick on and materialize into monetary assets. But where does all that time money come from, you ask? Money makers, as we refer to them, harness time and compress it down into money. You could think of every second as worth one penny per cubic centimeter of land. Money is actually a much more elaborate equation than you might have imagined. You might be thinking, I wanna be a money maker. How can I compress time to make money? Or maybe you're thinking, why don't the money makers simply escape the system and take all the money they make and subvert the system entirely? The answer is that one must spend money to make money. If you hold on to money, it's like manure. It'll just stink up the joint. And now you understand. And that's how you know. Beautiful. Thanks. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, We got to wrap up this particular episode. Um, Can I get everybody to plug some social media? Yes, definitely. Um, you're not going to find too much there right now, but I think it'll ramp back up <laughs> in the near future. Ready I hope. for that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ms. Natalie West. So that's M.S. Natalie West. Beautiful. And I'm like vaguely on Twitter. <laughs> it's at DuskBunnyXO, but Mila Summers is the name at the top. Perfect. I'm Selena the Stripper. You can follow me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can support this project on Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow the podcast at Ho in the Know on Instagram as well. Um, 
Yeah, you should definitely check that out. And also, I am about to have a web sub. Super excited about that. She's going to be handling things, and we will actually have an Instagram presence. So get ready, guys. Also, we're now up, and we're now on Anchor, and it's really exciting. Um, so find us everywhere. Um, yeah, and thanks so much for tuning into this episode of How in the Know. Have a delightful day, y'all. More money, I want your money. I want more money. 